Leveraging the collective is all about teaming and leaning on one another and challenging ideas and building on ideas and helping and supporting one another to achieve some business objective or some community objective. Welcome to Leading Forward, where we explore how successful leaders and organizations thrive in spite of, and sometimes because of, challenge and uncertainty. I am your executive coach and host, Christy Berger. Today, I have the pleasure of spending some time with Beth Chase. I am so excited for the conversation that is to unfold in the next 30 minutes. And I invite you all in to hear the the leadership lessons, the journey, and the wisdom that Beth has to share. Um, Beth is a serial entrepreneur, corporate board director, and a a community leader. And I will say out of all three of those, um, we can expand on them greatly. So that's just the summary version. Um, Welcome, Beth, and thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me, Christy. I really look forward to the conversation. Oh, me too. And I'm excited for our listeners to hear from you. Um, I'd love for you to maybe share, because I know um, for those that um, may be familiar with Beth's story and those that are in the local here in the Nashville community, that um, as of late, Beth has retired from her very successful um, career and building up her company. And I'm going to let her share more about that. Um, but I will say there was a... Um, in the, in the National Business Journal, you know, Beth was named uh, Most Admired CEO for 2020. And it's just almost like the, the capstone in, in this pivotal year that you have had um, in the midst of a very challenging year for so many, uh, Beth. So I'd love for you just to maybe tell our listeners and give a, give a highlight reel about um, some of your work and, and things that got you up to this point to be um, awarded such a distinguished honor um, such as that. Well, thank you. That was that was uh, I was I was quite humbled uh, <laughs> w- with that moment, um, and really appreciate that that recognition. Uh, but I'll give you a little bit about my background and sort of how I got to where I am today. I uh, I actually grew up in a in a small town in Kentucky and played competitive tennis when I was growing up and. Tennis, uh, I I sort of, as I look back over my life, I go all the way back to tennis. And I think about that was a foundation that uh, that really helped me throughout my career. But tennis got me to Vanderbilt and I ended up playing tennis for Vanderbilt, would not have been able to afford to go to Vanderbilt otherwise. And that gave me a great um, education and and just a a, a all around great experience. Um, And through that, then I started my career with IBM Corporation, which was an absolute great um, opportunity to really um, learn so much from IBM and everything that they had to offer around uh, the disciplines that I was in, um, but also learn about business, so many different big company businesses. Um, After IBM, I became an entrepreneur, started a technology consulting business um, with a with a business partner, uh, grew that over nine years. Ended up selling that business and then starting C three Consulting, which was my last business. Uh, grew that for thirteen years and ended up selling that business to Ankara Consulting Group about two and a half years ago. And then, as you, uh, it's almost three years ago now. Um, and as as you have said. I quote uh, retired <laughs> at the end of October, so I'm in the middle. We can talk about it a little bit more later, but I'm in the middle of uh, creating that next uh, chapter and that 
that mosaic as I, as I call it. So we'll talk about so that. So exciting. A little <laughs> teaser there you know, what, of what's to come, right? The culmination of all of those um, wonderful experiences and the, probably the hills and the valleys that have culminated to really saying, what's this next chapter look like? So I'm so, I'm sure many of you listening are too. And I'm so excited to see what that, that looks like for you, Beth, because I'm, I'm sure um, it is to have a big impact on the community because that is something that is really important to you, at least in our previous conversations and just all the work you do in, in our community. So um, maybe talk to us a little bit about that too, because that's just as important, I think. Yeah, I would love to, you know, uh, and I'll tell you a, a couple of stories. I, I I can't remember how many years ago, but maybe 10 years ago or so, I um, had had some success in business and, um, it, you know, felt like I finally knew what I was doing, you know, but I wasn't um, as fulfilled uh, as I wanted to be and realized that I had something to give back. To the to the community, and so um, I went to a couple of well, you know, recognized leaders in the community who who I respected um, that were very involved in the community. One was uh, Claire Golmy, who was the CFO at Amsurge for a number of years, and then I went also to Ron Samuels, uh, Avenue Bank, and and all of that he's done over his life. And I said, I want to get involved in the community. I want to give back. I want to make a difference. How do I do that? And uh, of course, Ron said, well, that's real easy. You just get involved, you show up. Uh, and when you show up, you get involved. And when you get involved, you, be you become a leader. And when you become a leader, you, you make an impact. And I was like, wow, okay. And uh, Claire also then uh, introduced me to the YWCA, which was one place that I um, gave a lot of time and, and talent and energy to over the, the next 10 years. Um, but I started doing that little by little. And I tell uh, a lot of leaders that I mentor and a lot of the team members that that worked with me at C3 that uh, working in the community is really a triple play, I call it. Um, there, there are three big things that, that come out of that. One, you make an impact. First and foremost, you are making an impact. Secondly, you're growing your leadership skills. And I know for me, I probably gained more than I gave in all the years that I've been involved in the community, but definitely a time that that allows you to hone your leadership skills. Um, and three, you're making new connections and, um, you know, sort of growing your network. Um, so I've, I've always loved doing that. I am trying to figure out what's next on that front. Um, I am very passionate about the Entrepreneur Center and I'm doing a lot there right now, which is which is a piece of that. And I'm starting to do more at Vanderbilt to give back because I would have never been able to go there. But there are a number of other things that I'm passionate about that I'm that I'm thinking about for the future. Yes. And it sounds like it will be a win-win, right? Uh, fulfilling for yourself and finding what that's going to be that can continues to ignite that fire um, within for you. And then also um, the benefit of having you there and being able to give back and, and make an impact on others. So um, I look forward to seeing um, what that looks like for you. Um, you know, with, with all of that, I think we've touched on just that you've had success in building a business, right? And so you, you have to say, you, maybe you won't say it for yourself, maybe you will, hopefully you will, right? But is that you, you obviously have been able to cultivate the, the ingredients, if you will, for great leadership in a way that allows that to happen. Um, and so I know culture is a big, big thing for, 
for you and kind of a cornerstone. Um, I'd love for you to kind of share the what you see as kind of the um, the intersection between great business and, and results, which is really a, a key factor around a successful business and, and culture and maybe what other ingredients that um, are part of that, Beth. Yeah, it's a really good good question. And you know, when I started C3, I really wanted to put my fingerprints on something different. And I wanted to be very intentional about creating a culture that had meaning, you know. So I, I I've, and as it turns out, I've been a, a study of culture now for, you know, a, a lot of years. And as you work with, uh, same with you, Christy, but when you work with, hundreds of different companies, you really see that the different cultures and what works well, what doesn't work well. And I don't believe that there's one culture that fits for everyone, but we wanted to be intentional about creating something that had meaning. Um, And I believe by doing that, you do create better results. So there's not this uh, driving business results and driving culture. It's, it's really one and the same. So some of the things that, that we did, uh, really early on uh, is to um, begin to put the culture. We felt it. We knew what it looked like because we we knew when we saw someone that we were interviewing that fit in that we're like, oh, okay, that person will fit here. But after a few years of kind of figuring out business, we really sat down and tried to codify what is it? Who are we? What, what defines us? And we were very intentional about thinking about what are those four or five things that made us truly us. And one of the big things that came out of that was that we believed that, that you should leverage the collective. And that was one of our core values. And leveraging the collective is all about uh, teaming and leaning on one another and challenging ideas and building on ideas and um, and helping and supporting one another to achieve some business objective or some community objective or some client objective. And uh, that really helped boost business results because it wasn't just an individual perform- outperforming but let's figure out how to bring the best solution or the best answer or the best whatever to the table by working together with one another. So that's an example of how we took culture and wove it into our everyday work to be able to drive business results. Um, and we lived by those. And you know, one of my one of my favorites that um, really said who we who we were uh, was start with the heart. And I think perhaps that was one because we were women led organization, and so we had a little bit of estrogen going there. And, <laughs> <laughs> but we we led um, that way, and we would start with the heart, meaning you know, take the person, the personal side into consideration and the person uh, in, into consideration at, before just sort of jumping to the work or, or or whatever. So you don't end with the heart necessarily, you still make good business decisions, but starting with the heart was, was another example of how we created an environment that um, 
felt like a family um, and that we were caring for each other as we went about our business. Yeah. You know, so starting with the heart and being intentional with that, you know, on a broader scale and really anchoring in your purpose and in the values and the meaning that you um, were creating as an organization and then hiring according to that and setting policy and procedures and things that really reinforced it. Sounds like that was all, um, all those parts and pieces were critical to come together. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I think sometimes that can sound so check the box, Mm -hmm. but if you do it right, it's not the check the box. And I think there's, I think there's an X factor there when it works really well. So yes, you've got to have a purpose. And we, we also, during that, that time in the formative years, really solidified our purpose, um, which was really helping, uh, you know, people uh, who are responsible for making change happen and really being able to help them do that. And so we, we all became grounded on that. And we all then started living out these core values and did all of those things in terms of hiring and firing to them. But beyond that, I think the X factor is um, creating meaningful connection. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I use the word meaningful, but also create creating meaning beyond just the work um, in, in your, in your business. So I think that connection part um, is an intangible that, makes everything happen beyond the policy and procedure. And I also think if you were talking to one of my business partners, Catherine McElroy, she would say that vulnerability also um, makes that happen well, because you can really come to work and be yourself and uh, not have to feel like you know it all, uh, but but be vulnerable and lean on others and and truly leverage the collective in that regard. So those were some things that we paid attention to to make it really happen. Yeah. How did you, you know, because I think um, I'll, I'll preface this to say, I mean, you know, working in so many different organizations and sometimes they have the best things on the wall or the best values. And I'd say a lot of time, in, for some aspirational, um, maybe yeah. not actual. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, so I think a lot of companies and leaders spend this time cultivating or, or at least constructing them. And then I think where, where it gets lost or where there's, where there's, um, you know, a breakdown at times is really operationalizing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what advice or what have you seen, um, for, for companies or for leaders that have, have set a good foundation on paper maybe, um, but are, that are really needing to operationalize and really get into the fabric of the organization. Yeah, that's a great question. And I agree with you. Some some are very aspirational that I've seen and some have so many things. And it's like, I want motherhood and apple pie, right? And and I want respect and integrity. And, you know, we all, there, there's so many words and there's so many things that, that we all want. And so I would say a couple of things. One, uh, less is more. Um, two, um, it's, you know, really go beyond just that standard stuff. It's like, who are we? You know, who who are we really? And and what? How do we need to operate to make this business successful? So so those are a couple of things. But I think um, storytelling is huge, especially in these gigantic companies, right? I mean, for our company, we had 120 people when we were at our largest and and we were all pretty much in the city of Nashville. So the way that we did it was we kept people connected. You know, we came together with intentional mm-hmm. connection and we created not, we didn't just do talking heads and and uh, boring meetings, but we did meetings that um, 
that brought people back together to create conversation, to remind them of the meaning of the work. Um, and so I think you can do a lot of that too, in terms of really engaging teams. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean engage them by just doing a survey once a year. I mean, really engage them because they know they're, they're smart people. They know what the client needs, what the market needs. Um, they have ideas about how to make the company better. Um, and they they want to feel connected to the to the business. And so I think some of those things on top of just the standard things um, to hire to fire to are really important to, yeah. to make it to make it real and to keep reinforcing it and to keep preserving the culture over yeah. time. Yeah. How have you seen um, culture play into how companies have handled the challenges of this last year and the implications of the strength of culture? Um, and what have you seen in your conversations and your interactions and in the work that you've been doing with 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 your colleagues and network um, over the last few months? Yeah, it, as as we worked with clients, especially during 2020 and all that they they had to deal with, um, I, I saw a couple things. One, it's 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 really amazing to look back and think about how many companies um, the employees appreciated their organizations more than ever before because I noticed that the chief people officer um, really stepped up and and, um, and they they always wanted to be have a strategic seat at the table and many were moving towards that but 2020 put them in in that position and so they doubled down on culture during that period of time. Um, and the things that I saw was um, making sure they're caring for the for the team first and foremost, finding new ways to connect to the team, um, secondly. And third, communicating uh, more transparently, more vulnerably than before. And I think all of those things really help um, preserve culture and and perhaps in some cases even shift culture as need be during during this period of time. But I, there, I, I watched a number of chief, chief people officers really grow up last year. And I thought that was really cool to see. And you're smiling, so you probably saw that too. <laughs> um, it was expedited, right? I mean, it expedited their um, relevance and their importance um, as almost a nucleus of the organization in a lot of ways and um, yeah. at a more collective in a broader sense, so to speak. Yes. 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 And speaking of leveraging the collective, I mean, they leveraged one another across mm-hmm. boundaries to figure things out because everyone was learning about work from home and everyone was learning about how to, how to preserve culture from afar and, and, all of these things that that related to people and teams last year, and so tremendous amount of growing and learning. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but still, I think that uh, uh, so many companies did a, a great job at um, preserving the culture through all of that. Yeah, and and I'd say on the flip side of this, Beth, and I'd love your your thoughts on it. Um, is that for those that did not have a strong culture or employee centric culture. Um, those are the companies that may be struggling the most um, to keep people engaged and looking at longevity around that. Um, I could speak just even for myself and um, and with others that I talk to is leaders and and people are just reevaluating what's important in their lives right now. And I think, um, you know, companies that have that don't really, really get that at the core 
um, are going to miss out on on good talent and being able to figure out ways that to, to work with people to keep them connected to um, what matters to them in a win-win, mutually beneficial way. I totally agree with you. And I'm glad you mentioned that because what I started dreaming about when you asked me that question were the very best clients that we worked with and uh, we're, we're working with the best of the best. Right. And so um, you're right. If you are not focused on people, I think that companies are really going to struggle because as soon as we come out of this and we're heading out of it now, um, the, you know, people are going to have choices. And Mm -hmm. I did see um, as I'm sure you did um, so many people did soul searching last year, really reflecting, and and I did the same. Um, and we, you know, you you really had a lot of time to reflect. What's important to me, and where do I want to go? And uh, companies that take care of their people and have great cultures are going to be the winners. I Absolutely. just, I totally believe that. I, I totally agree. And you know, and if we drill down, um, really, is culture comes about by great leadership throughout the organization, because it can't really manifest, you know, culture is just a collection of behaviors, um, yes. which really are dependent on uh, the leaders, you know, from frontline to the top. So when we think about what great leadership is and what that actually looks like, um, what would, what really stands out to you and around those, um, those core components or skills and competencies of, of great leaders now and as we look in the future? Yeah, it's a great question. I have lots of thoughts about that. It's a loaded question. (laughs) It is, I know. I mean, I think great leaders, I'll just talk about great leaders in general, and then we can can branch off of that. But I think that, first of all, a leader has to have followers or you're not a leader. So I think the ability to inspire others is is a critical thing. characteristic of a, of a great leader, uh, being able to inspire others to follow. And then I think, um, as I mentioned earlier, creating meaning, you know, out of, out of the work and um, mentoring and developing others. Uh, you know, one of the, one of the best things that I ever did. And, uh, and uh, there were some, there were three or four, maybe good things that I did, but <laughs> one of the best things that I did in, in the business was um, delegate. I, I became a master at delegating. And I remember I was telling the story the other day to somebody. I remember the, uh, you know, cause when you're an entrepreneur and you're in a, you know, first four or five years, like leaders doing everything, I'm doing a lot of different stuff. And at some point, and, but one of the, best things I did was I surrounded myself with great people. Mm -hmm. So at some point I realized because I was bursting at the seams and really wanted to have a life otherwise, um, that I needed to delegate. And when I did for the first month, I I kept finding myself apologizing. Oh, I'm sorry. I could have done that, but I just didn't have time. And, and what was happening was they were doing it better than I did it. And finally, I remember, I mean, I remember distinctly walking into the room one day and I said, listen, guys, I'm not going to say sorry anymore. I am so glad you have these things and I'm going to support you to, to do the work. Now, I definitely led from the front and um, gave my point of view. And you really need to be able to do that. You got to have somebody that makes the decision. But uh, I think great leaders um, hire a great team, mentor, develop them put up the bumpers and uh, let them lead. And, and that's what people want to do. They, they get more joy out of the, the role as they have more responsibility. So mm-hmm. 
I'd say, I mean, again, I could come up, I could give you so a thousand many. different characteristics, but um, those to me are, are some big ones. Um, yeah. And I'm glad you brought up that delegation piece and letting go and, 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 and from the angle of developing a stronger team. Yes, yes. Developing your your future leaders uh, within the organization and um, understanding it is bigger than just is maintaining control or or protect. Sometimes we we don't delegate or people don't or leaders don't delegate because they don't want to add more to somebody's plate. But, you know, I think that's short sighted in a lot of ways. And sometimes they don't want it. They don't delegate because they think they just need to do it and get it done and move on. It's it's easier. Um, what tactical advice, you know, if, if there's a leader that's maybe inherited a new team or gosh, we've been so much change and restructuring and things that are happening, um, and they're needing to really build a team, but where do they start? How do they, how do they do that? How do they assess it at a very basic level? Um, what would you tell them? Well, they, and they've, they've inherited a team or they're starting. Yeah. Yeah. Just in that either, either way, in the sense of like, when you think about delegating and building a great team, delegation, I think is a big part of that and assessing the talent that you have and being able to do those things. But, um, you know, maybe for someone that's struggling with how to delegate and let go, um, and in order to build a more effective support mechanism, um, you know, what, what, what advice do you have for them around that? Yeah, I think that a couple of things come to mind for me. One is, of course, looking at the team and figuring out, you know, sort of mapping out um, where are the skills and, you know, what's the skill and the expertise. But beyond that, also figure out what the passions are for, you know, of each of the employees. So the intersection of their expertise and, and the expertise they want to grow and their passion and what they love is the best place to put them. And so, but sometimes we just look at their expertise, you know, or what what they have, not what they have the capability mm. to move towards. And we don't look at the passion side of it. So I think looking at the expertise and the passion and mapping that out, and then taking a serious look at yourself. And say, you know, one one of the things that I said when I was delegating is, what are the three things that I love to do that I'm also great at? And I can keep those. But everything else, some things don't bring me joy and I'm not good at them. And guess what? They bring someone else joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Catherine was the yin to my yang, you know. <laughs> you know, every I love to do the dreaming and the, you know, thinking about the future, and she loved to execute. And so um, that second piece is is truly mapping yourself out. Um, what are those three critical things, or maybe one critical thing that the company absolutely needs from you that you're going to bring the biggest value on, and it over overlaps your joy and your and your passion. And then look at all the rest of the stuff. Who can I give that to on the team? Mm-hmm. And there may be some holes. And and then the third piece is recognize you probably have some blind spots. Mm-hmm. And so ask whether it be your manager or someone else that a thinking partner, that was uh, something that we built into the business at C3 is, is this thinking partner, find a thinking partner to look at that map and challenge you what's missing. And either in terms of the overall skill set that you need or what's missing in, you know, my uh, evaluation of myself. Um, and then sort of put all that together. 
Yeah. And then figure out a way to keep, keep the pulse of things. I think sometimes that's, that's the hardest to close the loop. So you can stay in the loop, right. In the yeah. sense of knowing how to help and when to tether down. Um, yeah. and, and really, you know, all of those core components that you said, you know, it's easier said than done and takes some, maybe some pausing and, and really to decipher, um, how best to do that. So really yeah. good, really good advice there. And that's organic to your point. I mean, it's not, it's not a one and done, mm-hmm. um, but you also have to, while, while I remember I wanted my mom to treat all of her children equally, you can't treat all of your employees equally. Uh, you want to treat them fairly. But uh, my leadership team, there were some leaders that we really needed to connect once a week and other leaders we could, we needed to connect once a month mm-hmm. because there's different, you have to just also marry that up. So how do you keep the pulse? And when you keep the pulse does not have to be one size. Yeah. It's all, but really customized to the, to the role relationship that you have and the, the needs of both parties. Yeah. I love that. I love, and I want to just highlight what Beth just says there around the customization because the customization goes in delegation, development, all of that, and meeting people where they are and understanding um, that as a leader. You know, so, so Beth, I want to um, segue here for a moment because you, you are um, also, you serve on corporate boards and boards in the community. And in my work as a coach with leaders, um, you know, for some they hit this point in their career and they think about how can I do more, or maybe they have this interest in doing board work. Um, what, what thoughts do you have for those executives and leaders that have that interest and, and what steps uh, should they take or consider taking and really maybe even thinking through around what that means? Well, I'll cover that from two dimensions, uh, from the community dimension and then from the corporate board uh, dimension, from the community dimension, the biggest thing that I suggest is uh, find something that you are passionate about, that, you know, the cause, the mission. And as I worked on a lot of nonprofit boards, I, came, I ended up coming up with um, a set of criteria that I really thought about before joining a board. And I only learned that from joining some boards and knowing what worked and what didn't. But first and foremost, um, find a place where you have, you know, a lot of passion around the mission. Um, then, then it's about, do they have a great board? Do they have a great CEO? Does the comp, does the, does the organization have money? Uh, does the organization make an impact? And those are some of the criteria that I looked at to, to just determine. And then I think you reach out to one person and you will quickly get involved on boards because they need they need expertise. They need, these organizations need expertise and connections and leadership that comes um, from all walks of life and um, from young leaders to more seasoned leaders like me. Um, So that's what I would say about the community for uh, corporate boards. um, There's a lot of networking that is helpful. I mean, I think um, recently I heard that that you, you end up on corporate boards for one of, in one of two ways. One, through a relationship, somebody knew you and they thought about you. And two, or two, um, you you end up being having the exact right criteria, uh, characteristics in a search. And I do mean like a technology search. So, so much of it, uh, of that is done through LinkedIn and your, your board bio and all that. And so really figuring out what is your sweet spot. Uh, what industry, what company size, 
what long-term value you bring to the organization and kind of getting getting that in your mind and then networking um, with people that 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 touch those kind of businesses. I'm still learning on that, by the way. <laughs> uh, I, I'm on one corporate board and I'm getting ready to join a second one. Um, both of them are family-owned businesses, which I have really enjoyed over the last five or six years. It's a different dimension to business that, that you need to think about, uh, think about the family and think about the business. And, uh, but I'm still figuring out some of that myself. So if I sounded like an expert, I'm certainly not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you just underscore the importance that we're always learning, right? We're yes. always going to put we're ourselves always- in situations to, to challenge and grow and learn. Uh, I, I have to, it would, I would be remiss not to just um, highlight what one thing you just said, because I think it's come up in our conversations a few times and it really hits on something that is extremely important. Um, I think from what I Exposed to others as well as the importance of relationship building, networking, whatever yeah. you want to call it, is that opportunities come from relationships. Yes. And I think, you know, for some folks that are, um, you know, in positions, they, they sometimes they need to focus on internal relationship building. But, um, you know, definitely that broader external, it's not just for those looking for opportunities. I think it it broadens your ability to be strategic and innovative and all these other things. But um, I just want to underscore underscore that because I think, you know, that is a thread that has come through our conversation um, of of importance. It it absolutely is important. And, you know, I I have seen so many people that worked in one company for 25 years and they were too busy to build relationships and probably too busy to build them internally as well. To your point, Mm -hmm. I think internal relationship building across departmental boundaries, across age boundaries, across expertise boundaries, all of these things, gender boundaries, you're going to really uh, be be more strategic in your own business, but um, making those relationships um, across the, the community, whatever community it is, I don't even necessarily mean geographic community, but um, but creating relationships across multiple communities really yeah. helps. And I, I, I mentor a lot of people in that, uh, in that regard. And um, it's been an area that uh, has brought me a lot of joy in my life, just being connected and, and learning from people and helping people. Yeah. It's the concept of reciprocity. I think that really plays out when we think about relationship building, because I think some people kind of get a little uneasy with it. But when you think about it as a concept of reciprocity and and giving and receiving, um, you you can you can reframe it in a way that um, feels feels good and exciting and fulfilling. Um, you know, Beth, I, I know we're up on 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 time, but I would uh, like to kind of close with thinking about what you can share. Let me just say what you're willing to share of what is next. What 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 can we expect or see or um, what does that chapter look like for you? Well, it's something that I've been obviously giving a lot of thought to over the last three or four months. And I will start by telling you that a friend of mine who is about three or four months behind me in this process told me um, a great analogy. And that is, if you took a sheet of paper, and I'm visual, take a sheet of paper, and on that sheet of paper is your life. And you draw a big circle in that on that sheet of paper when you're working that's work. And then the rest of your life are little tiny circles that are around that little, maybe little specks and different things around that. When you're not working full time, you have this blank sheet of paper that you can create more of a mosaic. 
And I loved that. And it, and it, and it, you can have multiple bubbles that are the same size. And so what I did, the soul searching that I did last year was to really begin to to create a vision board on what's next for me. And I used Jim Collins's um, hedgehog uh, framework. I love frameworks. And I, in there are three circles to, to the hedgehog. Um, one is what are you passionate about? And they're, they're a Venn diagram. What are you passionate about? What are you great at? And, and what can you make money out? And in the middle is your, is the sweet spot. And that's your thing. Um, so I took that and I replaced the, what do you make money at? Because that wasn't, that's not what's next for me and said, where can I make an impact? So what am I passionate about? What am I great at? And where can I make an impact? And I did a little vision board around that. So now I'm putting that into my mosaic. And uh, there are really four or five things that are on that uh, mosaic today. One is, and these are in no particular order because I I hope that they're all similarly sized bubbles. Uh, It depends on the day. Um, One is corporate board work. And I... uh, love that. And it's a way of giving back uh, some of the experience that that I've had. Um, the second one is um, giving back and mentoring entrepreneurs. So I am mentoring four plus entrepreneurs right now, and I love it. And I feel like um, that I'm paying it forward to them and they bring me so much energy and I learn from them as they're learning from me. So that's the second. The third um, is continued community work. And um, don't know what I'll add to that, but uh, definitely thinking about that and um, getting involved in different ways. The fourth is um, some starting starting a new business, but I'm not, if I did that, I wouldn't start it in the same way that I have done before. I would want to start a business with somebody who's super passionate about it and they they do most of the work. <laughs> it's okay um, to say that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I sprinkle some ideas. <laughs> that, um, but that's just sort of simmering. That's on the back burner of the mosaic. And then the last one is just enjoying life. And I'm connecting with family and friends and, and traveling when I can and working out and um, really just enjoying life and picking up golf again and um, you know, that's, that's why we work hard. So while I'm young ish, uh, <laughs> uh, heavy emphasis on the ish, uh, I I'd like to just enjoy life. Oh, that's exciting. You know, it's, um, you're at a place where you can have high discernment on in, in, in it, it, the ball is in your court, whether it be a tennis ball or a golf ball, the ball <laughs> is in your court to do what you want to do. Um, and I'm sure wherever that will be, um, it will be mutually beneficial. Um, so thank you, Beth. I, I, um, I love the conversation went by so quickly. Uh, maybe we can pick up uh, again sometime and I look forward to seeing, um, what lies in store for you. Well, thank you for having me today. And sure, let's do take two on <laughs> on, a, on another topic. <laughs> but I, I just appreciate the opportunity and everything that you're doing to help leaders and and culture, uh, two of my favorite topics. So yes. thank, well, thank you. Thank you so much. All right, Beth, until next time. 
Thank you for joining us. To listen to future episodes, you can subscribe to the Leading Forward podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. For those of you who enjoy the full experience, you can watch the conversations as they unfold at christyberger.com. Until next time, keep leading forward.